You are listening to The Winning Mind Podcast. I am Letitia D'Souza. I am a mindset coach and business strategist who has helped more than 1,200 people change their lives, their relationships, their businesses, and just win in life. There's a myriad of reasons why we're not winning in life. Most people don't really play to win. They play not to lose. And what winning really means is becoming a better version of yourself each and every day. We can do this together. Hello, beautiful people I love. How y'all doing? I am doing absolutely amazing. Man, I had a bit of a rough week, Um, just rough in the sense of, you know, just some changes and transitions. And so I can actually feel them. I reached out to a couple of people just, just as a sounding board. Um, sometimes I just need to hear myself talk and I can get to a place of clarity. Most times I do that through prayer, but this time I reached out. Listen, however you get to the place you need to get to, you got to do what you need to do. So I'm very thankful that I have people in my life that I can that can just lend an ear when I need it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I talk through those things and I'm feeling really, really good. I don't know what made me <laughs> what made me think about this, but I don't know if y'all know this about me, but I laugh a lot. I laugh a lot at myself. I laugh a lot. I crack a lot of jokes. Like, I'm a lot more silly than people would probably recognize. So sometimes I just am looking at people like, do y'all remember? um, I don't remember which one of the Batmans it was on, but the Joker was explaining how he got the scar on his face. And he was saying his father was like, why so serious? <laughs> so sometimes I really <laughs> just be wanting to ask people like, my God, why so serious? Like loosen up and laugh sometimes. Do y'all know that the Bible says that a merry heart does good, but that also like laughter is like medicine. The reason why that's just so is so important because some of us are just like sick in our souls. The Bible also says that hope deferred makes our hearts sick, right? So sometimes if you've been longing for something and desiring something for a very long time and you haven't seen it, you can get a sense of hopelessness. But man, laugh like. I'm talking about like a belly laugh, whatever it is that makes you laugh, whoever it is that brings the humor out of you. Like that is really a huge part of my self-care is laughter. I don't necessarily need people around me to laugh. I got a whole head full of memories. I'll be thinking about back to something my daughter said or something that we laughed at. And I'm telling y'all, I'd be laughing my ass off Um always cracking jokes because it's it's just really it's just really important to me like we have so many things going on in life so many things going on in the world so many like really really serious things like you know they're like oh we're about to be in a pandemic there's a housing shortage there's this there's a a formula shortage you know all of this stuff that's coming at us man listen I just got to laugh. I really got to laugh. But my laugh ain't to keep from crying because I cry too. Let's be clear. I'm balanced. But my laugh is just because I just, I laugh my way through things. And so I just want to encourage y'all to laugh. My goodness. So there's that. So let's see. What are we going to be talking about today? Something that I have been thinking about is like, whose rules are we really living by? 
I see where a lot of people get to places where they are stuck, myself included. And I always, and I believe that stuck is a state of mind. And by being a stuck, being a state of mind, it's a state of mental conditioning. And so a lot of times when we're stuck, we're at a crossroads where we're being invited to make new decisions, to get new results, to create different realities. But we're stuck in ways of doing things and ways of being that will no longer serve us. Does that make sense? And so sometimes you got to think, who's, whose thoughts am I thinking? In many instances, like um, I can sometimes find my mother's thoughts in something. When I'm, when I'm thinking about making a decision or going in a direction and my mother's thoughts will come up and almost like reel me in, so to speak, or, or, or reel me back in. And so if I allow that to happen, then guess what? I will be living by my mother's rules. Not really living by um, my own rules. And we do that, I think, a lot more than we recognize. It's not necessarily your mother. It could be societal. It could be religious. It could be a lot of things. But a lot of the stagnancy and stuck places and things that we do, it's not even our own thinking. It's really not, right? And so that's why I think we, a lot of times... Uh, admire and are inspired, whether we'll admit it or not, by rebellious personalities or people who just do whatever it is that they want to do and and give zero fucks about what other people think, right? My daughter always says, one thing about Tish is Tish gone Tish. My daughter feels that way about me. I'm not just out here wilding, um, but I have gotten to a place where I'm consciously aware of other people's thoughts and other people's rules and other people's things. And I'm just like, nah, this makes me feel tethered. It makes me feel tied. It makes me feel trapped. And I'm not doing that. So I'm curious to know, like, whose rules are you living by? Whose financial rules are you living by? Whose sexual rules are you living by? Whose religious rules are you living by? A lot of us have not gone on a journey of discovery to know what we really think and believe. We are just really recycling other people's beliefs and, and just think about it. A lot of the ways that we were parented, even in the way that we parent our children, we recycle shit that didn't work for us and hand it down to our kids, right? Without really giving conscious thought and choice about it. So at some point, I think it it would just be wise to be like, man, whose rules am I living by right here? Because I keep I keep getting into a brick wall. So like, I'll give y'all an example. Like my mother and my father, they both are very, very intelligent beings, like very, very intelligent. My mom used to, in my like teen years, 20s, my mom was like a go-getter. My mom was like this strong, independent woman. I don't need nobody. Real estate, stocks, just like doing the damn thing, right? And my mom took action then. And then I think over time, like my mom had a traumatic brain injury she had a significant job loss. I think that was really traumatic for her and just, just the happenings of life. My mom got into a place where she really exists in a space of fear a lot, I think, and um, maybe possibility, but no real execution. So now she will speak a lot about ideas and things that she would like to do, but she's not really taking action on those things, right? My father is the same way. My, my, my father, he's always been that way though. So he is like a historian. He knows a lot about a lot. He can tell you the facts about everything and he'll speak about possibilities and 
but he's never been one who was just like an, somebody who was a strong executor. That being said, they got to a certain financial space in life, and then that that was as far as they went, right? Y'all still with me here? So as I started to explore my own entrepreneurial acumen and prowess, whatever you want to say, when I got to certain places of quote-unquote success, I started to feel almost like a sense of guilt because it almost felt, my coach told me this will happen, right? And so that's probably why I had the conscious awareness. He said, it will almost feel as if you are betraying your mother. I'm much closer to my mother. So it almost felt like I was betraying my mother to go beyond where she went financially, to put myself first, right? To do all of the things in many instances that were the polar opposite of that which she instilled in me. Now, she didn't instill these things in me like saying, Letitia, this is what you do. A lot of things are caught in your environment and they're not necessarily taught. So there was a way of being that I observed from my mother, right? Mindsets and thoughts of scarcity, like you're going to always run out of something. My mom was like the person, she got a refrigerator full of stuff, a freezer full, then the other freezer. So all that to say, as I began to explore my own entrepreneurial desires and put my own ideas into action and and just live in a way that felt true to me, a lot of it was the opposite of what my mother would do. So that created a sense of guilt. It created a sense of almost like, I don't want to share this with her because it makes me feel largely uncomfortable to share it. Um... And and it's just like it's 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 a weird feeling. I don't know if you've ever if you've ever been there, but it can be this way, just like with the person who seems to be doing better than other people in the family, right? And it's it, there can be pressure on that person. There can be resentment towards that person because the reason why people get to a certain place is because they've made decisions that other people didn't make. They made decisions. They made assessments to say, hey you know, this is what I desire. And so this is what I need to do to get there. And so in many instances, they decide, they live, they think in a way that is the polar opposite of everybody that is around them. Do y'all understand this? So I kept coming across rules, if you will, that that I needed to break, if you will, for me to be really free. Because I felt like I would only go so far and then I was cycle back. And I can remember, I'm I'm so thankful that even though I'm not a religious person now, I'm I'm I, I'm a relationship person. And so y'all know my relationship with my guy God has nothing to do with religious rules and traditions. But I'm so thankful that a part of my journey did take me through being a part of organized religion because I came from a deeply prophetic church and a lot of the, the prophetic insight really guides my life to this day, right? So one of my former pastors, he said, um, he said, Letitia, you will not have the, I'm going to use this word, the same challenges as your mother and the same challenges as your grandmother. Because at that point in my life, I think I was making observations and I was like, this seems to be a pattern. This seems to be a pattern. And I, and I desire something different, but I didn't know how to create it. 
And it was that prophetic guidance and insight. And so I think generationally, every generation has the opportunity to be better. Opportunity, maybe even responsibility to be better than the generation before, right? So a lot of what is in my daughter's life right now is because I fought spiritually, a lot of spiritual warfare for y'all who understand, so that the things that were in my generation from me and before me, they would not be that way for my daughter. My daughter thinks completely different than the quote-unquote women in our family. Her mindset about money, about men, about everything is just like completely different. But it took a lot to fight through all of those mindsets and conditioning to create a different mindset in her. Y'all understand that? So anyway, what I was saying though is that as I'm I'm on this journey, a lot of times I bump into rules. It could be money, like how you deal with money. So for example, I have clients that do very, very well in business. They, you know, they they do well in business, like they 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 making money, but a lot of times they're still like this scarcity around spending money or investing money, this scarcity that says that you're going to run out. And so you need to save, you need to hoard a little bit. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with saving, but you will never save your way to wealth and you will never hoard your way to wealth because what typically happens is that money that you're trying to hoard, life happens and you end up having to spend the money on something. But where does the hoarding mentality come from? Where does the you're going to run out mentality come from. A lot of times it comes from our conditioning in our in our families, right? So now you're a whole grown woman or a whole grown man and around money, you still realize that your mom and them still running the show. A fool and his money are soon apart. Like all of the stuff that we were taught, my mom is the person who will like still add, like she makes this chili that everybody loves and she puts macaroni in the chili. I can't stand that damn macaroni in my chili, right? First of all, it's just carbs for no reason. (laughs) Um, But second of all, I said, mom, why do you do this? And she said, because it's to stretch it. Remember, y'all remember Eddie Murphy years ago on his thing and he was, he was like, it it might've been something about like getting teased about home home burgers when, you know, parents made burgers at home and they put bread and breadcrumbs and all that. It was to stretch it because this, there was not enough. So a lot of times this mindset still comes in here. I sent my aunt some socks and she said, oh, I still have five new pairs. She said, I haven't worn them. I'm saving them. What the hell are you saving socks for? I said, girl, I get so many socks through my nonprofit. I said, you don't have to save those socks. You can wear them. Like saving your special plates or your special this or waiting. Like a lot of that is conditioned mindsets and rules that we unconsciously live by. And it's sucking the life out of the moments that we have right now. So Sometimes I get I, that that comes back up in me around money, right? My mom's mindset. My father is probably like very cheap, frugal. I meant, I meant. Um, and so y'all know what I do around money. I give a lot. My mom is very generous, by the way, but I give a lot. If I have a concern that rises up in money or that subconscious thing around money that was really so strong and prevalent in my family rises up in my mind, do y'all know what I do? I buy something. I give some money away. Um, I'm just, I love opulence. I love beautiful things. And so I'm going to invest in something because I'm going to continue to send myself the memo that 
This is not that. You are not where your mother was who got that mindset from watching her mother, who was a parent of 12 children, a single parent for a good portion of those years struggle. You are not there, right? And so subconsciously, your subconscious mind has no concept of time. So my subconscious mind will pull me all the way back to my mother's mentality that came from my grandmother's mentality, right? When And, and so no, we are not there. So Whose rules are you living by sexually? Like whose rules are you living by where you 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 have a partner, you're in a committed relationship, you can't really explore your sexuality or what it is that you desire to do because your mom and them told you that your sexuality was nasty. It's not something that's beautiful. It's not something that's to be celebrated. It's not something that's to be explored. It's not something that you co-create great, beautiful memories and experiences with another person because your your sexuality is dirty. Or especially as a woman, if you love sex, if you are liberated sexually, you're a hoe. Like all of those things, like they still come with us right now. Or what about this? What about if you are non-monogamous? What about if you don't want one person? What about if you want to have these experiences with more than one person? Right. You know, it's what they call ethically non-monogamous. Like you're not lying. You're not cheating. You're not manipulating. This is just what you this is just what you choose and how you choose to show up. A lot of people are really bound in their sexuality and their sexual expression because of somebody else's rules. Why is that a problem? Oh, especially don't throw God in there. Right. Because, you know, sex is dirty. Sex is the the hottest sex and money are the two hottest topics of the church. Like out of all the quote unquote sins that there are, sex and and what you do with money is at the top of the list, right? And so a lot of times, you know, like um, Catholicism is heavily laden with guilt. And so here you are trying to just live your best sexual life. And it's like, God is looking over you like, "Mm -mm, you about to bust hell wide open or what your mom and them told you, right? And so we're living like imprisoned. We're not imprisoned physically, but we're imprisoned mentally and spiritually because of somebody else's rules. And all I'm saying is explore that for yourself and see what is really true for you for yourself. The reason why the sexual energy and the sexual expression is important is because your sexual energy is your creative energy, right? Your sexual energy is your creative energy. And you can be sexual and you can be spiritual. The two are not mutually exclusive. So you don't have to be a nun and be the most spiritual person. And now, okay, you just shut off your sexuality. It is really abnormal. And so while I'm on that, let me let me let me park there for a second. Because there's this thing, I'm, I'm, I'll be 50 in October, right? And so a lot of women are still like, you know, just like when the Lord sends me a husband or I'm waiting on God and blah, 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 blah. And here's the here's the thing about that, right? Because I had a, a bout in my life where I was celibate and I'm thankful to God for that time when I was celibate because it allowed me to pour my time, energy and attention into building that relationship with God, but also to model for my daughter. Uh, my daughter didn't see random men around me. So that was not a message that she got that that was normal, right? So it served its purpose. But what's happening is you have women who are taking their sexual cues from ministers, from pastors, from that kind of thing, right? So being celibate for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, because you're waiting on the Lord to send you a husband. What is going on with this time frame? It's that God that is really 
quote unquote, holding back a husband from you for 10 years, for 20 years, for 30 years. And what happens to your sexual desires during that time? Do they just go away? Do you just become inhuman? Right? So it it really, listen, it doesn't really make a lot of sense if you think about it, that you are um, a sexual being, a sexual person, and you just have to completely almost just like ignore this this energy as if it does not exist until the Lord sends you a husband. And, it, and I'm, not, I'm not telling people what to do. I'm not telling people like not to be celibate or abstinent or whatever the case. I'm talking about the mindset about that, about giving control of your sexuality to someone outside of yourself and not exploring the mindset that is behind it, the mindset a lot of times of control, right? If you have consciously chosen abstinence or celibacy, good for you. That's a beautiful thing. But what I am saying is that your sexual energy does not just go away. Your sexual energy is your creative energy. You can use that energy to create anything that you desire to create in the world. So somebody's rules have just made that just like a a dirty and a bad thing. Now, I do see where people are just like, uh, you know, just out here just wilding because we do live in hookup culture. I get that. I understand that. But a lot of times we throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? And so just exploring the rules that you live by, man, that that will bring so much insight, so much clarity uh, into your life. Let's see. So we have um, money rules. We have religious rules. What about relationship rules? What about relationship rules? You know, those little shits that we done picked up and my daddy used to say, your daddy was dating in 1927, girl. A man is, and so listen, because I hear this right now. A man should, a man is supposed to, a man is this, a woman should, a woman is supposed to. And where do we get all of those things from? That we just repeat, regurgitate, and recycle without really exploring, like, if this is what I actually desire in a partner. And so when you have all of these women are supposed to's and men are supposed to's, you know what you're going to do to your partner. You're going to project all of that stuff onto them. And they're like, what? Who? Like, where, where did you get this from? Don't don't project this onto me as opposed to getting to know me. And we we decide how this is going to go between us, where I'm willing to show up and, and you and vice versa. We don't do that. We just project. And so when people don't meet those projected expectations, we're out like, mm-mm. This ain't what I'm looking for. Uh-uh. This ain't this ain't it because a man is supposed to protect and provide. What does that actually mean to you? What does protect and provide? Does does that mean physical protection? Does that mean creating a safe space for your emotions? What does protect mean for you? What does provide mean to you? Does that mean he's the financial provider? What does provision mean to you? Like we, he's the priest, the protector, and the provider. We regurgitate that and we don't even really take into consideration what that really means for us. So same thing with women. You know, I need a woman who's a woman in the streets and a freak in the sheets and a woman who like, come on now. Or, you know, this popular one of happy, what what do you say? Happy wife, happy life. Or we get, he needs to love. My grandma always said, get with a man that loves you more than you love him. Why? That is so that you can have control over the relationship, right? And this is this is all I'm saying, guys, is that a lot of times 
we don't revisit and we don't explore shit that just does not work, right? How is that working for you? A lot of times it's not. And yet we keep bumping our heads against the same brick wall because we're not unlearning that which does not work. Here's another one. Listen, I remember God, my God, God, he will always tell me, Letitia, the only certainty that you will actually have is the certainty that I give you. Like your biggest, one of my biggest, because y'all know I'm special needs, one of my biggest challenges was my need for certainty. That need for certainty was um, causing me not to take risks or do certain things or move forward in certain ways until I felt a sense of assurance or reassurance. And God was like, that what I'm telling you, my word to you, is the only reassurance that you'll actually have. It was showing up in relationships. So we form attachments and we want to be possessive and we want people to assure us and we want to be reassured, almost like, reassure me that you're not going to leave, that you're not going to cheat, that this and that. And, it, and it's, it's just like so much to put on a person, right? As opposed to let that person be free. Because people will do what people will do, and all you have to do is act accordingly. All of the quote-unquote certainty and reassurance and pressure and possessiveness and all of this other stuff that we're operating in the world in, it feeds this illusion of control. You can never control another person, right? You can't control another person. And so we don't want a partner. We want possessions. We don't want a partner. We want somebody that we can possess, somebody that we can own because we have this unhealed stuff within us and we're still living by these old rules, right? This is all I'm saying is, um, who is messaging me? I don't know yet because I'm talking to y'all, but all I'm saying is, um, just look into that. Just look into that. Just look into the rules that you're living by because it's stopping you in many instances from the life that you can have. There's a book called, is the book called The Untethered Soul? And the book, The Untethered Soul, is almost like going through life or learning to go through life unattached to things and to people and to outcomes. That doesn't mean that you can't love deeply, that you can't, you know, really be in love and that you can't honor and have deep connections. Actually, I think the connections can be so much deeper because you don't need to possess. You don't need people to jump through all of these hoops to reassure you. But anyway, the book, The Untethered Soul, is almost like he's going through life just trusting. He was trusting that life got his back, right? Life, uh, I got to trust that God got mine, right? And just trusting that God is with you. Of course, we co-create, but navigating the larger part of this journey and that if somebody is removed from your journey, guess what? There's somebody else that's coming to, 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 man, my CD is stuck, to into that spot. If you lose one opportunity, what did that teach you? But there are so many more opportunities. If you, I don't care what it is, but just like being unattached to the outcomes and people and situations and all of this stuff that just gets us all worked up and stops us from being able to flow in life. This happens to me. This is why I need to have a sounding board and I need to get it out, right? Because I'm like, maybe I was just too attached to this. And so free people, free opportunities. And so you can just flow through life and trust that God has your back and that everything that is meant for you, you 
will have that which is meant for you. You don't have to force it. You can allow it to flow. Does that does that make sense to y'all? Is that resonant? Like we have so much stress and so much pressure, so little joy, so little contentment um, while we're operating under the illusion that we can control things when the only person that we can actually control is ourselves, right? Let's get that memo. You can control you. You can master you. Anything and anyone outside of yourself, you cannot control. And so how much better would it be if our time, energy, and attention and would, would be spent towards, towards that which we can control, right? Towards towards pouring that into ourselves and to, to the person that we actually can control. Because I think we need our attention in that area. Anyway, to sum that up, it's really whose rules are you living by? Your rules may be in an area that I didn't discuss. It might be your parenting rules. I had to break every damn parenting rule I thought I knew. And I literally think that I probably started from scratch with my daughter and like, okay, God, He says, she's mine first. Well, you're going to have to tell me what to do for this kid. And when I leaned in and started listening to God, my my daughter, our relationship changed and it grew so beautifully because I had to throw out everything that I thought I knew about parenting. So it might be in your money. It might be in your relationship with your children. It might be with your partner. It might be with in your business. It might be sexually, like whatever it is, just revisit the rules and throw them honor that which has brought you this far and move and and invite that which is new so you can get to where it is that you really desire to go, okay? I love each and every one of you. Have a beautiful, beautiful day.